Good morning, everyone. Our scripture today is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, if you'd like to turn there in your Bible. This is the last of the series of angelic visitations that surrounded the birth of Jesus that we've been looking at during these weeks of Advent. Appearances to Zechariah and Mary and Joseph, and today to the shepherds and the surprising invitation for them to join in on the celebration of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. In each of these encounters with God's messengers, we've seen a movement take place in someone's heart, a movement from fear to joy. And I hope we're getting a sense of how that movement from fear to joy can take place in our lives as we not only hear about God's good news about the birth of Jesus some 2,000 years ago, but then also understand how Christ is at work in our hearts right now. This is not just some old story retold from the ancient past. It's a living reality because we can experience God's presence and God's power right now in us. So let's hear Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Thanks be to God. This is his holy word. This week, just a few miles from where I'm standing, a young man was shot and killed, murdered in a very public place, and his murderers are still at large. His name was Kason Williams, and he was just 29 years old. This week, just a few miles from where I'm standing, another young man was shot and killed during an apparent carjacking at the Short Hills Mall, and his name was Dustin Friedland, and he was 30 years old. And I'm willing to bet that you probably heard about Dustin Friedman's death, but not about the murder of Kason Williams. Why is that? Well, some would say it's because of racism in the media. Mr. Williams was a young black man who was murdered while walking down the 800 block of South 16th Street in Newark. His death wasn't considered front-page news. After all, it was just one more in a long string of murders in Newark this year, so it really got buried in the back pages of the newspaper. On the other hand, Mr. Freeland was, was, was an up-and-coming prosperous white attorney from Hoboken, and he was killed at one of the swankiest malls on the East Coast. 
So news of his death was everywhere and spread through the social media like wildfire. Now, I am certainly not in a position to make any determinations about racism. I think it actually has more to do with proximity. Proximity. I mean, I was very much more aware of the Short Hills shootings, and I only saw the article about Mr. Williams by chance. But I connected with Mr. Friedland's death because it seemed closer to me. There were touch points in his story that connected with me, touch points that I could identify with personally that made his death seem in closer proximity. So it grabbed my attention. I don't go to Newark that often, maybe to a devil's game or to a Portuguese restaurant once a year. So that seems far away, even though it's only a few miles, you know, as the crow flies. But the Short Hills Mall, I mean, that's in my extended neighborhood. I was just there to upgrade my phone at the Verizon store. I've parked in those parking garages, and I know that I don't like to park there. I'd much rather park out in the open, even if it's raining, because, because I have a little bit of fear in me about getting attacked in some isolated corner of a garage, whether at the mall, the airport, or wherever. I just don't like them. I don't feel 100% safe, and I don't know where that fear comes from. Maybe because I'm a, a little claustrophobic or I've seen too many murder mysteries. I don't know. But when a news story like that comes out, it immediately hits a nerve because inside I think, gosh, that could happen to me. It connects because it touches on one of my fears. You know, our fears can be very powerful. Our fears can really mess with our heads. What we fear can often affect the decisions that we make and what we do or what we don't do. Fear can poison our relationships, can make us feel paralyzed and anxious and defensive. Fear can put a sour note even on the good things that are going on around us because, you know, you can't enjoy life if your fears get in the way because you're always on edge, kind of waiting, anticipating that some bad thing is about to happen. And at the root of it all, I think fear can erect a wall that blocks your experience of God's love and grace. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. God's grace and fear are are like oil and water. They just don't mix. So if you're focused on your fears, that can really shut down your prayer life. It can shut down your awareness of, of the Holy Spirit in your heart, make you feel like God's left you or that you're all alone. The evil one loves it when we get immersed in our fears. In every one of the angelic appearances surrounding the birth of Jesus, the very first thing the angels say is, do not be afraid. Yes, the sudden appearance of angels was shocking, certainly. That was true for the shepherds. I mean, no one's prepared for the skies just to open up like that. But I think there's something deeper going on here because fear is really a systemic issue in the human heart. There are just so many things that we could be afraid of. For too many people, much of life is just a reaction to the things that they fear. People are all tied up in knots of worry, perplexed and anxious and afraid. Afraid of other people, other nations, other races, other religious groups. I mean, we know as Americans that there are people in the world who want to do us harm, who want to kill us, who want to destroy the kind of democratic freedoms that are our way of life. And so 
we can feel afraid for our physical safety. There's theft and there's vandalism, there's crime and violence. Those are real things. We're afraid for our financial security, for jobs and careers, because, because layoffs and shutdowns, those are realities. Add to that our fears for our children, our parents, about our health, the welfare of our family and friends. We're afraid of being alone or being rejected. Top of that, you've got to worry about natural disasters. I mean, once you start going down that road, there's a lot to be afraid of. And that's the problem with fear and anxiety. It takes over. Once you, once you give into it, I mean, it spreads like a weed. It, it multiplies like cancer. And the more we give into fear, the thicker the barrier it creates between us and God. And pretty soon you can't hear what God is saying at all. The voice of your fears becomes louder than the voice of God. The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The message of God's good news in Jesus, you know, it came to a frightened world. And in that regard, our world hasn't changed one bit. For all our advancements in technology and education and agriculture, medicine, you name it, we still haven't solved one of the most basic problems of the human heart. How do we deal with our fears? And God comes to us and says he has a solution. He says, trust me, trust in what I am doing. Join in with what I am doing in this fearful and fear-filled world. Did you know that the phrase, fear not, or, or don't be afraid, appears in the Bible 365 times? I mean, that's once for every day of the year. I mean, that, to me, that's quite a coincidence. I think God knew that we would need that kind of repetition, that kind of reminder, fear not. That was constantly a part of the message and ministry of Jesus to the man named Jairus, whose daughter had died while Jesus was on the way to heal her. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe. To his disciples who were caught in a storm in a small boat out on the Sea of Galilee, he said, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. When sending the disciples out on a preaching mission in Matthew 10, Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And to his closest friends huddled in the upper room on the night before his crucifixion, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Over and over again, Jesus punched back against fear and the way it cripples people in life. His powerful, peaceful presence was and is the antidote to our fears. Ask yourself, what, on what basis, what's the basis on which I can face my fears? Is the message fear not because you're strong and powerful? Is it fear not because you've got what it takes? Is it fear not because you can handle everything on your own? No, it's fear not because you have a savior. You have a deliverer, you have a rescuer, one who is powerful, one who is able to save, one who stands with us in our weakness, one who can free us from sin, and is even stronger than the thing we fear most. He's stronger than death itself. And that's why the angel could say, I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all the people for today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It is only when we recognize the power of this one who comes as Savior, Messiah, Deliverer, that Christmas brings good news of great joy. His coming is the good news. The great Welsh preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, described the difference between good news and good advice. He said good advice is counsel about something that hasn't happened yet, something that you can still do something about. News is a report about something that has already happened, which you can't do anything about, because it's already been done for you. All you can do is respond to it. Every other religion offers good advice to people on how to live their lives. Follow these rituals, uh, follow these disciplines, obey these laws. Other religions send advisors to, to tell you how to fight your battle. Only the gospel sends messengers to tell you the good news that the battle has already been won. The gospel is good news about what God has done and what God is still doing through Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news because it declares to all what God has already accomplished in sending us Jesus, Savior, Messiah, Deliverer, who through his birth and life and death and resurrection and ascension, he already defeated sin and death and hell. It's his glory that defeats fear. That's what compels the angelic host to spontaneously break out in praise, shouting, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The only way to move from fear to joy is to focus on the power of the Savior. Unless you look to Jesus as, as he really is, the one who is full of glory and worthy of all praise. In verse 14, the angels sing glory to God in the highest over the birth of Jesus. Many people familiar, are familiar with the Latin version of that phrase, gloria in excelsis Deo. What that means is that there's, there's nothing higher, nothing superior, nothing above. He's the pinnacle of power. The, cent the centrality and the supremacy of Christ cannot be compromised or diminished. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. On Tuesday night, we had this wonderful concert of classical Christian music in the sanctuary, music and readings, and I was really moved by the words of one of the lesser-known carols. The title is, Of the Father's Heart Begotten. Originally, it was written in the year 348 A.D., it's a beautiful, poetic retelling of the story of God's salvation, of God's good news announced by the angels. And I'd like to share the lyrics with you this morning. Of the Father's heart begotten, ere the world from chaos rose, he is Alpha, and from that fountain all that is and hath been flows. He is Omega of all things yet to come, the distant now close. By his word was all created, he commanded, and t'was done. Earth and sky and boundless ocean, universe of three in one. All that sees the moon's soft radiance, all that breathes beneath the sun. He assumed this, 
this mortal body, frail and feeble, doomed to die, that the race from dust created would not perish utterly, which the dreadful law had sentenced in the depths of hell to lie. Oh, how blessed that wondrous birthday when the maid the curse retrieved, brought to birth mankind's salvation by the Holy Ghost conceived, and the babe, the world's redeemer, in her loving arms received. This is he whom Seer and Sibyl sang in ages long gone by. This is he of old revealed in voices that did prophesy, Lo, he comes, the promised Savior. Let the world his praises cry. Sing ye heights of heaven his praises. Angels and archangels sing. Where'er ye be, ye faithful, let your joyous anthems ring every tongue his name confessing. Countless voices answering evermore and evermore. That's where we need to put our focus. That's what we've got to keep uppermost in our minds. The glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ. It's his presence and power and peace that defeats fear. That's the only thing that can transform this fearful world, our fears into joy. He's the only one who has that kind of power. You see, if you don't have this sense of Christ's glory in our minds, eventually, eventually our problems will become bigger than God. Our problems will become bigger than God. Our fears will multiply. They'll become larger than our God. We've got to keep things in their proper perspective. And so Christmas is this great reminder to us that the glory and goodness of God has already come in Jesus Christ as Savior, Messiah, and Deliverer. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you know, keep Christ in Christmas, and that's true. But I'm more concerned that we keep him at the center the other 364 days of the year. So much keep competes for, for first place in our lives. Not only at Christmas, but every day throughout the year. This good news has to be personal for you. It's got to be good news in your life. Think about what happened with the shepherds. The angels told them to go to Bethlehem and check it out. They went, they saw it for themselves. They experienced the presence of the Christ child and their fear was transformed into joy. In fact, they got so excited about what they'd experienced that on their way home, they had to tell everybody they met what happened, what they'd experienced. They were the very first evangelists, just telling what God had done in their lives. And that's really what faith sharing is all about. You simply share the good news of God that's in your life. What it means to you. Psalm 107 verse 2 in the message says it this way. All of you set free by God, tell the good news. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. You know, evangelism is not some prepackaged formula or billboards or TV shows, but it's just your real story with all its ups and downs. Just just your story of God's presence in your life. Jesus and his power over fear, it is good news. It's good news for your friend who's sick. It's good news for your, your neighbor who's heartbroken. It's good news for the family cynic. It's good news for the lonely person in the lunchroom. It's good news for those who are you know, weary of life. It's good news for the wealthy who are consumed by success. It's good news for the person who's confused or who's ready to give up. It's good news for the addict and the alcoholic and the depressed, the distracted, the overwhelmed, the frightened. It is good news 
for everyone. Let me suggest something. Uh, I'd like you to get a couple of copies of this little book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. You can get them you know, on the internet anywhere. Give one copy to someone you know and then offer to read it with them and talk it through over a cup of coffee. I mean, don't wait for the pastor to do it. There aren't enough of us to go around and we're not the best person to do it anyway. You are because you're the one who's close to them. You're in proximity. You have the relational credibility to talk about God's good news in your life and then just trust God for the results. So don't let your fears or your problems become bigger than your God. Remember the good news announced by the angels. God's already done it. You have a Savior, a Deliverer, a Rescuer, and His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this announcement that is a living reality even today that we can be set free from all those fears that cripple us, Lord. When we look to you and we realize your glory and power, your majesty, that there's nothing bigger or stronger than you. And so we can trust you and we know that you care for us each personally. So Lord, really this week, help us not to let our fears become bigger than you are, but to keep everything in proper perspective and to know that your saving love reaches out to us each and every day. We thank you now. In your name we pray.